And we are live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the True Christian Ministry Podcast. As always, join always on the wrong side by my brother JD. We are live on YouTube. We are live on TikTok. For those watching on TikTok, you can listen, you can hear JD. But if you want to be able to participate in the conversation, the comment section is only on at TikTok, I mean, on YouTube. And uh, you'll be able to see the Bible on screen as well as seeing JD. So if you choose to stay on TikTok, by all means, and to everybody listening later after this is recorded on Spotify or uh, wherever else you might be listening, thank you for tuning in and make sure that you guys check out one of the live streams to get the full experience Mondays and Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Central. And uh, what's up, JD? What's up, Mike? Good to be back. Another week. Big week. And good to see everybody in the chat. Welcome. Grace and peace to all of you. How's everybody been? Been praying for all my brothers and sisters. I hope you're all good. So I'm to be here, bro, as always. Let's Amen. Get it. And so tonight, as the title says up top, we are diving into the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter five through uh, chapter seven, right? Seven. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot, though. I know it sounds like, oh, three chapters. They can get through that in one episode. No, we cannot. That is not happening. Uh, I hope you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. If you're not, then, hey, it's the first time for everything. But if you are, that's good because there's some things that we're definitely going to be going past and trying to get into the deeper parts of it um, and just really discussing it all in all. But before we start, let's go ahead and uh, start with some prayer, as always, to invite the Lord into this conversation. And also, I want to uh, just keep you guys with your mind on some things to, to pray for. Let's keep Justin in our prayers as well, because we know his family is still dealing with the health issues. I know that he's had good news, but it doesn't remove uh, you know, the burden that is placed upon that family of dealing with all those things. And then also, please, let's keep our brother Chris Bishop in our hearts as well. But while we're praying, uh, he's got some stuff he's definitely handling in his life um, that he could use prayers for, you know, as personal as it might be. So I don't know. I don't want to share too much information about people's stuff. But um, so if you want, you want to lead the prayer tonight, I, I lead the prayer. You lead the prayer. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I can. No problem. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for another day. We thank you for another episode. Lord, we thank you that your word is exemplified and amplified and that everybody that hears these words tonight, whether they be on TikTok or on YouTube, will consider everything you have said to us in your final words on the mount and that it will prick the hearts of those who are still covered in their own delusion. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will bless each and every single one of us that takes in your word today, because we know that faith comes not only by, by you giving it to us, but by reading the word of God and hearing the word of God. And we thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that are here tonight, that they, whatever they are going through, whatever they are battling, that your grace always abounds and that your mercies are new every single day and that you are the rock on which we stand. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So, all right, guys, we're going to dive into Matthew chapter five. And um, I think it's important to just remember a couple things, I guess, before we dive into this. Um, I, I love the fact that Matthew's gospel is one of those one of those solid gospel. I mean, they're all great. All right. You try and point out which ones are your favorites, but like, I love all the gospels. I know everybody has a favorite gospel, but it's hard for me sometimes. Cause I love Matthew's gospel. I love Luke's gospel. I love uh, John's gospel. And we have to read the gospels as always from a place of the context of that time. And I, I, I yeah. always preface our readings for this. Like it doesn't matter where we're actually going in the Bible, whether this was the gospel of Matthew or the book of Jeremiah. Um, we just like to remind you guys that 
These letters had intent behind them. These gospels were written for a purpose. Matthew's gospel is heavily Jewish because so if you know that the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each one had a purpose for what they were writing for. Some to, uh, you know, writing to the Jews directly or writing to the Gentiles or gospel of John is, you know, talking about the divinity of Christ, right? So remember that as you're reading these things, because it helps you understand the context that is being spoken of. So let's go ahead and pull up the Bible on screen. If you're new here, uh, you might be like, what's all those other stuff on screen? We've got the uh, Greek dictionary open and a Greek word study open. It allows us to sometimes dive into the deep context of what we're reading. So Matthew chapter five. Uh, do you, oh, yeah, that's right. We normally put the KJV up as well. I got you, JD. I'm slacking tonight. I'm what's, 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 what's going on, bro? I know. And while he's doing that, while, while Mike getting that up. You know, we, we see these are called the Beatitudes. There are eight Beatitudes that we find in the Bible, which which derives from the Latin word Beatitudo, which in its truest sense means blessed to be or blessedness. So we see why, because Matthew chapter five, especially every every verse starts with the word blessed. And, and the Greek term here is the word makaroi which is not being blessed from receiving earthly riches or being blessed because your life is good and you've got more food than you can handle and more things than you can carry. This is, but this is the blessedness that comes only from having Christ dwell within you. So how beautiful that is when, when we dive into that, just keep that in the back of your mind that this is, this is Christ's words saying blessed are those who have him in their lives blessed are those who have a hunger and a thirst for that which is good and um something we very much need in these times um just seeing what's going on in the world at the moment i see uh the president of russia banned all lgtv activity in his country you're not allowed to identify as transgender you're not allowed to convert you're not allowed to have any relations other than the opposing sex so a win's a win <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> i really didn't think you would go i was like i wonder why he's bringing that up and then he said a win's a win oh that was good i needed that dude i i did not even know the route that this was going i'm just listening to my water i'm glad i swallowed before you did that, you said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, someone's gonna clip it. Someone's gonna clip it. But no, seriously, guys, welcome to all the new people that are here watching. We appreciate you here. Let's dive into it. Matthew chapter five. I'm gonna just open it up. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to read through these real quick. And like, I'm not going to stop on each one just so you're aware. And we can go back. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so we'll stop there because that's a lot right there. Uh, I think that's the most, I honestly, JD, like that's one of the most beautiful scriptures in the entire Bible. Like this is the the Beatitudes to just imagine hearing Jesus speak those words, to like hear him say those words. Um, It's like, so it makes me think about Nabil Qureshi and here's why. Nabil Qureshi was a uh, Muslim who was on a journey to maybe come to Christianity. He was really fighting against it. And for five years, his Christian friend was working on his heart. And one day when at like the pit of being down low, like he was having a terrible day, he was down low, he was still Muslim. He opened up the Quran looking to find comfort in his day and he couldn't find it because the Quran was written in a way like they recite it and everything, but there's not a direct connection with the Quran like the word of God is. So he said he put the Quran down and when he opened up the Bible, this is where he went first, I believe, or this or or it was um, where he went to uh, come to me, all of you that are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And he said that, you know, like the word of God spoke to him in a way that the Quran never spoke to him. It offered him hope. It offered him comfort. It offered him rest. And and I think that the Beatitudes literally are the most beautiful moment where he does that, where he speaks to the people and says, you know, like, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You know, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. He's talking to to the lowly people that are looked over by God, by people on this world. The people who who are the lowly, the bottom that that don't have all these boastful things. And it reminds me, I mean, it makes me think about the fact that the person that is going to heaven is the person who understands that this isn't the life that matters. They're not worried about boasting in this life and and building in this life. They want to do kingdom things. They're focused on the Man. kingdom. And if you focus on the kingdom, you're not focused on this. So you'll be lowly here. So I don't know. Just I think it's one of the most beautiful spots that you could find in scripture. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Over and over and over again. I think the the first the first Matthew chapter five, one through twelve, you can literally speak on this for three hours, unpacking the Greek. And this is the one time I would advise anyone who's going through Matthew 5 through 7 to to have a interlinear like this, the Greek interlinear, because the fullness of the terms, and this is why we have these debates, which we'll see later on, where Jesus talks about the fulfillment of the law, which obviously has caused massive controversy among believers for the longest of time, not understanding pluricide, not understanding what the fulfillment Jesus is talking about. The same way the Pharisees didn't understand it, people still today are still blinded by the same prideful heart. Ultimately, people still don't like the idea of the only thing I've got to do is believe the gospel. But there's got to be something I have to do. There's got to be something that I have to do to get myself into heaven. Ultimately, we want that responsibility. It's kind of like we want to be the CEO of our own life. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen Mark's recent back and forth with Jasmine, but this is the argument with the atheist. They, they, they want to do what they want to do without any consequence, without any, without any recollection. And ultimately, this is what Jesus Christ is bringing forth. To those who are blessed, we realize that that to come into the kingdom of God starts with true humility. 
It comes from a contrite heart. It comes, it doesn't come from a prideful place. We don't see this pride in Jesus or any of his apostles after him. Well, look at this right here. So while you were talking, I opened up the Greek for the very first verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But listen to what the Greek is actually saying. That word poor is patochoi. And it's a metaphorical word. And it says not of those who are poor in material things, but of the humble, devout persons who feel the need of God's help. So as the poor beg in the physical world, the poor people beg, right? So poor in spirit. So we come to God saying, I need you, Lord. That very first Amen. verse shows you exactly who we should be. It's not that you think you can do these things that he's about to talk about on your own. The person who recognizes that he can't be these things, but he wants to be those things for God. So he's saying, God, I need you. I can't do this without you humbly. And this is why I tell people when people ask, um, you know, like, uh, so is the gospel easy or, or is it difficult, right? Like there's people that treat it both ways. The gospel is easy. Yes. However, the hardest part about it is extremely hard for many people. And that is humility because you do, you do nothing to be saved, but that's the thing. Like people don't realize it. The doing nothing is actually what makes it so hard. People don't have a problem with doing things. Nobody wants yeah. to be like, I didn't do anything for this. That that's the hard part for them. People always want to be able to oh, look, look at social media. What is social media literally about? Let me show you about my life. Let me show you how I look good, how I, how I pose good, how my exercising is good, how this is good, my dancing, whatever it is. We show off us. It's me. We go out. We show off how we are with our way we dress, the way we style, abundance. Like human beings want to hold on to that. Like I did something. And that's where we get workspace gospels. People that believe you can lose your, your salvation because they can then point back to themselves and say, well, no, no, I haven't lost it yet. No, 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 I, I, I have salvation. I did enough. I do enough. But blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The people that understand I don't have anything to offer you, Lord. My spirit is not worthy. I need Amen. you, Lord. Amen. Oh uh, man, blessed are the, those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I think that's, I think y'all get that. <laughs> um, so blessed are the meek and the word for meek yes, is prayas in, uh, in Greek. And um, I wish my thing wanted to, uh, uh, so my dictionary is acting up. Mm, sorry guys, something's going on where my, my Greek dictionary is not catching up. Yeah, that's that's another one. I mean, <laughs> blessed are the meek shall inherit the earth. I love this one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Because I don't there. I think there's a there's something behind this. Um, what's behind it is the fact that you're not thirsting for your own self righteous self righteousness. We seek righteousness, which is the Lord. The Lord is yeah. righteousness. Amen. Right. I mean, and this this goes hand in hand with what 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 Paul says to us in one Philippians twenty seven. Um, you know, let to be like minded, and he says, let your conversation only be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So that when I come and see you, you are all like minded. You are all on the same page. And then he goes on to say, speak of things that are good, that are that are honourable, that that are you know, that build up. These things we are to report of. Not not be slanderers, gossipers, haters, you know, and this is this is the thirst for righteousness to to search for those things or seek for those things which which are of Christ. 
Sorry, I'm over here. I saw someone in the comment section mention that the voice was popping, so I just wanted to make sure that uh, I checked my my settings really quickly. All right, let's keep going. Um, let me go back over to the comparison for the KJV. Let's let's hear the KJV. Where we at? We're at verse thirteen. Go ahead, KJV. Sweet, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his uh, his savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, where the ESV says basket, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. I mean, just those four verses. It's, it's, yeah. Wow. So wow. I, I love the fact that this is, again, people don't understand this. And we have this discussion on TikTok all day long about, oh, well, workspace or not workspace. Do we have to work? Do we not have to work? Do we work, work, work. Like that's the conversation all day long, left and right. And constantly in scripture, it makes it clear that works in, in the New Testament, when we're talking about the new covenant, it is to glorify your father. It is to be an ambassador of Christ so others want to come to Christ. The works in the New Testament are not working to get to heaven. It's the works we do because we belong to kingdom of heaven. And, and so that's the difference that I feel that, that people don't realize is that we want to be a light that shines what the kingdom of heaven is. So people want to see that light. And I love that the fact that, of course, the Lord knows what analogies to use. He says, you are the light of the world. And then he mentions that, you know, People put a light that's a, well, candle for you, a lamp in the ESV, you know, on a stand. And, you know, in those days, all they had was these candles. And the little tiniest candle, as long as you put it on a nice size stand and a nice place in the house, it can light the whole house. Light will always conquer darkness. No matter how much you could be in the darkest cave that ever existed. But if you like one little match, it can you see it from a distance. Likewise, no matter how big you are in the kingdom, no matter how important you think your role is, Mike, I can't preach like you. Mike, uh, JD, I can't, you know, do prayers like you. Justin, I can't be as bold as you, but you could be a light in the world that is so dark because in a dark world, the smallest of lights shine the brightest. And that's what Jesus is saying, that you are the light of the world. And he tells you, People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. Do not hide that light that is in you. And that's what matters about doing good works. It's not that, like, I can't stand the argument of, oh, so you have to be saved. Well, I'm not talking about salvation. That's the elementary doctrines. You over here, uh, uh, I, and what, what did Paul say? When I was a child, I spoke like children do. Now that I'm a man, I speak like men do. Like, I'm not over here trying to get saved. I'm with my Lord. I'm, 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 we sit in heavenly places with the Lord. I'm trying to glorify our Father in heaven. We need to, that should be our heart, our goal, our place. Um, so you know me, you know that that's a tight subject for me because of all the people on TikTok that make people believe that, you know, if you're not doing this, this and that, and this, it's not about that, man. It's not. It's about yeah. glorifying your father in heaven. It's about people it. wanting to know him because of you. That's it. Like whatever good thing that comes out of us, we know, first of all, that that's the Holy Spirit working through us. And most of all, not even second of all, first of all, and most of all, most of all that they glorify God. That's what it comes down to. 
the, the first of all work is, is that I know that the good stuff that comes out of me are not because of my flesh. My flesh is enmity. My carnal mind is enmity with God. And the Holy Spirit working through me produces these fruit, produces these good works. And when people see the good works and the good fruits, they want to like, I want what he has. And and Amen. then this opens up this opens up a door for how are you like this only by the grace of God? Who let, is God? Let me, let me ask all the people watching because right now we have about three hundred and something people watching uh, across two platforms. This isn't something you need to answer. I just want you to think about it, especially if you're listening after the fact. When you came to the Lord, what kind of person was it that what started that journey? Was it that loving person, that kind person? Not even just you. People you've seen. Most people that I've seen when they come to the Lord, not with family, like people in the world. It wasn't through the scholar. It wasn't through the theologian. Yes, they went to them to build their faith. Don't get me wrong. There's parts of the, the, the there's all pieces to the puzzle. But the person that made you start your journey was someone with love. Someone that was so loving that you wanted to know why that light shined, where that light comes from. Like, you could be two types of Christians in this world. You could be a Christian who people want to know what's in the Bible because of how you act or people who say, I never want to touch the Bible because of how you act. Because if I act one way, regardless what I say I am, I'm a Christian. But if I'm out here cheating on my wife, if I'm out here uh, uh, being disrespectful, if I'm just rude, I'm just evil all the time. Like, why would you want to read the book I'm reading? I wouldn't want to read the book that guy's reading. But if there's something about that guy like, man, every time I go to the office, Mike is always just there to help people. He's always being selfless, this, this and that. Like, yeah, he's a Christian, is he? OK, like and when everybody's doing that, when all of us as Christians are doing that, then the light shines so bright. Go light one match and then light a match book. Same size match. But when they're together, that fire burns so bright. And this is why it makes me laugh when atheists ask about why there's so much division in the church, because we have an enemy also. Like, where's the number one counterfeits in Christianity? Other religions don't have as many counterfeit issues. <laughs> like, there's a reason why other people be like, oh, Christians are so divided. We're united. What does that tell you? <laughs> what, is that, what does that tell you? Amen. Absolutely. Amen, Amen someone, brother. I saw someone in the comment section putting uh, this little light of mine. <laughs> Amen. Ahead, JD. I'm JD. Gonna let it this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. <laughs> right, Praise right. Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. So verse 17. Do not, though, here, now we're getting to the meat. Say, we were talking, I mean, everything was meat, but we were in the, uh, the gentle, loving, okay, now we're going to get to something. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, again, 2023 uh, context, throw it out the window. You hear law and the prophets, you might not understand what he's saying. When he says the law and the prophets, that's the scriptures, right? So they refer to the first five books of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, known as the Pentateuch. They refer to it as the law, right? Because Moses gave the law. Now, the prophetic writings, Isaiah and all these prophets, Jeremiah, whatever, were the prophets. This is why you hear them say the law and the prophets a lot. This isn't them just, he's not just talking about the law, literally, and the prophets. No, he's talking about the scriptures. Okay. So when you, when Jesus says the two commandments of his love, the neighbor, love the Lord, thy God. And he says, upon these, all the prophet and the law hang, he's saying the entire Bible of that time 
hung off those commandments, right? When Jesus has the transfiguration, he brings forth the law and the prophets. Why? Because he brought forth Moses, who's the representation of the law, and Elijah, the representation of the prophets. So he brought forth in the transfiguration, the law and the prophets. So I want you guys listening that don't have a, maybe not at that point, you didn't know that. I want you to understand that. And he, he says, I do not come to abolish the scriptures, right? That's what he's saying. Now, why do you think he's saying that right now? Because what he's about to do, <laughs> he's about to contradict everything that, not contradict, but he's about to add to the word of God. It, it, when people say, prove to me Jesus is God, only God can give the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just saying, because if you we're about to show you, if you thought the Sermon on the Mount was just some cute little thing, no, what's about to happen is Jesus is about to demonstrate. He's about to give what's known as his messianic sermon where he demonstrates his authority. And, and I'll show you that when we get there. We're not there yet. But he starts by saying, I'm not abolishing this stuff. I'm fulfilling it. Right. Um, anything you want to add to that? I mean, the, and this is, again, the only way Christ could could speak this way is if he was God. That's that's the that's the be all and end all. He couldn't speak with such authority and he couldn't make these claims if he wasn't God. And we see we see from the prophet 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 Jeremiah, we see it from Isaiah, we see it from the psalmist. God sees the condition of our hearts. This is why he can speak this way, because he has seen the heart of man. He has seen what dwells within us. And this is why he puts emphasis on what that law actually means. And this is why the Pharisees, you know, he's, we, we see it where he says to the Pharisees, you preach the law that you don't, you yourselves do not keep. You preach so, the law that you yourselves do not keep. Oops, sorry. So real no, quick, no, I know on. a lot of you guys probably have heard a, you know, on this channel, if you guys are new, we also like to always throw apologetics in here. We want to teach you how to defend your faith. So let's take a yeah. step back for a second and say, okay, we all hear this verse, but a lot of times it's used against us. When we talk to tour keepers or law legalists, they say, Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. They always forget to mention the fulfilled part, but let's even look deeper. You guys see it on screen. Let's read it together. That word for fulfill is plerose, plerose in Greek. So this is what the author is legitimately writing, a word that means much uh, oftener I fill up to the full, I fulfill, I give fullness, completion to, I accomplish, to carry out of prophecies or other statements which are absolutely and completely confirmed by reality, actually occurrence, or of duties, I preach fully. The M Messiah is bringing, is being fulfilled, completed by the church. And then in that, in the Greek New Testament, when we look at that word uh, that's being translated to fulfill, it's actually translated, hold on, let me look closely, 86 times to different words. And one of the times it gets translated to the word complete. So that same Greek word, is used in John 3.29 when it says, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. In Acts 13, I'm sorry, Acts 12.25, it says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service. Same word being used right there, being used several times to say complete. So when someone tries to say, well, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. No, you're right. Because abolish means what? Let's look at abolish real quick so you can see the contrast. Loosen thoroughly, break up, overthrow, destroy, both literally and metaphorically. So he's saying, I didn't come to destroy this. I didn't come to cancel it. Rather, because that's a God that's not just. That's also a God that changes his word. That's also a God that changes his attributes. God giving you a law and then canceling it is a, that's, 
That's what the atheists ask. It's funny. I just think about this right now. Christians that defend their faith against atheists that believe that the law is still enacted, then they should agree with the atheists that God can just cancel his law then. Because clearly he's canceling it for y'all because y'all ain't keeping it. You're not keeping it. We understand the law had to be fulfilled. It couldn't just be like, you know what, guys? I know I gave you a law, but uh, yeah, that's Islam to be. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Islam technically, where he's like, oh, you know what? I, I know I got a law, but uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, Amen. So, yeah. Don't I let mean, anybody Fallon, flip that on you. And Fallon, you've got a good question. You know, I always wondered what it would be like back then, being a disciple, told everything about God. And suddenly it all changed. And not only it changed, it's easier. Here's the thing, though. It's it's not a question of, of, of change. It's a question of completion. And, and this is the problem. This is the problem. A lot of people, especially with those of, of the Jewish side of things, they were like, you, that's the way they saw it. They saw it as, as, as something being changed. They saw it as something being altered. But this isn't what happened. This is this was a question of them not understanding the Greek term there, pleurisai, which is the fulfillment of, the completion of. So, in, and again, I, I like to use the analogy to people that say, yes, but that's not what it means. And I say, well, when you are done paying off the bond of your house, do you still continue to pay it every month just because you're used to paying it? When you finish school, if you finish school and you've got your degree, do you still go back? next week and say well i'm back well you graduated last week yeah well i'm back because you know i just gotta just gotta keep doing this because well i don't actually know why but uh, you know i'm just gonna keep doing this jd i don't know about south africa but in america we have places called fulfillment centers do people understand what a fulfillment center does it literally fulfills orders and what does that mean the order is complete like if if i have an open order with amazon for a new iphone and the iphone comes in it's fulfilled they don't owe me one anymore they they have no they have nothing that they uh, uh no responsibility or obligation to give me anything. It's been fulfilled. Likewise, yeah. if the righteous law has been fulfilled in you, which is what Romans eight says, then you have nothing obligated towards the law, and that's yeah. where they lose it at. Well, you're saying we can just disobey the law? That's you're taking you're acting like the yeah. law. They, they treat it like the law is still in place, and we have a free pass. That's not it. The law is fulfilled in us now you can you can go to the law but i'm not under the law we're under the law of liberty which is what james says right so yeah it's 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 definitely one that a lot of people will try to use against you to make you feel like you're not doing enough (laughs) so just be careful with those people that purposely leave that part out about fulfilling in fact he goes on to say to you real quick for truly i say to you until heaven and earth pass away not an iota not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. All is accomplished. Ask them, what is the accomplishment? Right? What What do you think the accomplishment is? Because that's a question, because he says not until what? All is accomplished. Well, what is what is it that's being accomplished? So just want to point that out there. Amen. Um, I'll go ahead and finish this little part out about the law. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least, actually, this is really good. I'm glad that this part actually is here. One of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is a scary one for people because then they're like, well, how do we deal with this? So first and foremost, I want you to understand something. Jesus is the one that does them and teaches them, and he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This also is the verse that explains why Jesus preached the law, right? Because people say, well, if Jesus was coming to do whatever, why did he follow the law? Because he came to fulfill it. And if he's fulfilling it, he even says, if you preach against it or speak against it, you're going against the law. So if Jesus was yeah. to come and say, y'all, I'm fulfilling it. Y'all could just throw the law away. He's preaching against the law. That's why Jesus always hints at what comes from him, but he preaches the law. John chapter five, he says that whoever believes in me passes from death to life and does not come into judgment. So he kind of throws, he's letting you know, like I've come to fulfill the law. The law is respectable. We will not stomp on it. But if you believe in me, you don't even come into judgment for the law because I'm keeping it for you, right? So when he says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do it, the same will be least in the heaven. But then he says, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The only one called great in the kingdom of heaven is God. God is the one who keeps them and does it. That's why our existence in heaven glorifies him. That's why Ephesians 1 says that to, to his glory, we're saved because he's great. And then he says, Amen. for I tell you, your righteousness succeeds the scribes and the Pharisees. And I try to tell people that this isn't saying that you possibly can do that. He's making it clear that they don't even keep the law properly. Like, and you yeah. guys look up to them, but they keep it out, outward. Your heart needs to be set on it. Dead right. Dead right. I mean, and that, that just completes it as well. You know, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what, what do we see in what do we see in Romans? What do we see in Corinthians? We become, we become the righteousness of God through Christ. We become righteousness through the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to obtain righteousness. But through Jesus Christ, what does he say to us in John 1 12? He gave us what? He gave us power to become sons of the living God. He gave us power to become sons. And, and the same thing we see with the prodigal son. A lot of people like to go there when it comes to the, the OSAS, you know, the one saved, always saved conversation. And we see that the prodigal son, even when he left, he wasn't any less a son. He was still a son. He remained a son. Although he fell away, although he went his own way, he was still a son. So, again, we see this. We become the righteousness of God. Here we go. I mean, power. Yeah, so this I'm is why it's important to also read the entire Bible, right? And and don't try and build a doctrine and then go to the Bible to, to, to piece the doctrine together. Let the word of God teach you and then learn from it. So Romans 3, it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So he's saying the righteousness of God is in Jesus. The prophets and the law bear witness of it, though. What does that mean? John chapter 5, Jesus said that the scriptures are the ones who talk about him. And as we just read, he said, I didn't come to abolish what they did. I can't even fulfill it. What's another way you can look at the fact of fulfilling it? Meaning that he was expected. You can't fulfill an order without the thing that was ordered. So like if I order, like I mentioned earlier, I order an iPhone, it gets fulfilled because an iPhone shows up. Well, if a banana showed up, it didn't get fulfilled. Only Christ could fulfill the Old Testament because it's about him. John chapter five. It's not about you being good enough. The law was your guardian until I got here. 
the law was your babysitter until I showed up. And now I am the one that fulfills it. And then right at the bottom of this uh, part here in Romans 3, it says, you know, why was God looking over previous sins? This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he's making it clear that not only is God just, but he's the justifier of you. And in the very next chapter, it literally says, you know, he justifies the ungodly and his faith is counted as righteousness. So I, this isn't a Roman study, though. So let me I would love to just sit here and stay in Romans because I can do that, like go from Matthew to Romans. But let me pull back so we can try and actually get through this chapter. My bad. I had to add that, though. Where are we at? Verse 21. Go ahead. Let, let the King, the King James uh, do me a favor and just read. The very first uh, verse here, so I can add to what we're about to go into. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger. This is this is important. Shall be in danger of judgment. Notice that Christ is not saying that it's the end. Shall be in danger of judgment. And then he puts the emphasis on. Amen. So, all right, here we go. This is so good. Um, real quick, I wanted to pull up. Uh, here we go. Sorry. Exodus 20, you shall not murder, right? That's what he's quoting, right? Well, let me, let me remind you of what we're seeing here. So Jesus went up to a mountain and he's doing this from a mountain and he starts by saying, I'm not here to abolish the law and the prophets. And then he immediately goes from that to, you have heard that you should not commit murder. And then he jumps into verse 22 saying, but I say to you. So what we're about to see is a series of Jesus quoting Moses and then saying, but I say to you. Remember earlier I said that this is about to be him showing his authority. Remember what, how they viewed Moses in these days, right? This is the, They talked about Moses in a certain way, looked at what Moses said. Moses is the, the main prophet, right? They, they, that's like not, not just that, but he's like the one that they really followed and, and they talk about him and they talk about his law. And he comes and he says, you have heard, quotes Moses. And then he's about to do this. You have heard, but I say. You have heard, but I say. Reflecting how Moses preached to Israel from Mount Sinai, the law from God. And here comes the Messiah from a mountain preaching to Israel about how, well, actually, I'm about to tell you, it's a little bit deeper than that because this is what I say. So it's demonstrating, mm. this is why JD said earlier, like this is only, only God can say these things unless, uh, unless someone wants to, you know, play with the fires of brimstone and blasphemy. You can't say these things like you and I can't say, Hey guys, you heard Jesus say to do this. Well, I say this, right? That's literally yep. adding to the word of God and speaking for God, right? So what he's about to do right now. And that's why I want to JD just that first verse. Cause you're going to hear a bunch of these. You have heard, but I tell you, you have heard. But I tell you, and every you have heard is from the law of Moses, which is actually what they called it, right? The law of Moses. They didn't call it the Ten yeah. Commandments and stuff like we do. That's just, you know, we just call it that. That was called the law of Moses, right? You never see the words Ten Commandments in Scripture. That's Honestly, I think we just do that probably because I don't know why. But there's they call it the law of Moses, right? So all right, my bad. Now that I've said that, you can go ahead and go back and, and read the... Uh, 
I guess first 21 and 22. I don't like the KJV for this one thing though. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like that. The fact that they use the word kill for that, that commandment, because I do believe that the commandment is not to murder because God actually, I mean, we know that God gives people permission to kill because he literally sends people to kill in war. And, you know, uh, you have the right to kill because killing is not is to kill is to do so justly. Murder is to do so unjustly. So if I murder someone, I'm taking a life with no with, for no reason unjust. Right. But if someone's attacking my wife and I had to defend my wife and this guy dies in the process, I didn't murder him. I killed him, but I didn't murder him. Right. So. I do, and I think that that brings confusion to people because they say, well, wait a minute, God kills people. It's like, well, no, God kills. He doesn't murder because God can't murder. Murder requires it to be an unjust taking of life. God can't take your life unjustly. It's his in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so I do like to emphasize that. That's one of the things about the KJV I'm not a big fan of. So since you're reading that, I just wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, we should probably check out the the Greek, the, the definition there. Um, All day long, brother man. All right, let's this, open up the Greek. Let's look at the fullness of that. Do you want to look at the Greek in the uh, or, or the Hebrew actual the actual law? Yeah, because here it just puts murder. So mur it just shows murder. Let me see. Let's go back to Exodus real quick or uh, Exodus twenty thirteen, and the word for murder is tersa, and to kill, murder, strike down. So it uses both words to kill, and but it has murder and strike down. Again, though, I, I believe that the context is obviously unjustly to take life unjustly. Yeah, but hey, maybe I'm. No, no, I think that's for itself. Yeah, I think I we both agree with that, regardless what the what what the version says. I just wanted to emphasize it for people that have that question. Yeah. Amen. And there, right, there we go, verse, verse twenty-two. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, that's that's a big one. That's a, a massive one. I mean, and, and I'm just going to go read the ESV quickly. But I'm saying to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. So there, there we see that. And whoever says, you fool will be liable to hellfire. And this is, this is again, you know, where we go to the King James, he says, shall be in danger of hellfire. So again, we, we, this is why I say, especially with Matthew five through seven, it's, 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 uh, I would always suggest to anyone who says they're busy with the Sermon of the Mount, get, get an interlinear, get two, two translations and have the Greek interlinear. Yeah. Because again, we see the words and the emphasis here. Here it says, shall be in danger of hellfire. And in the ESV, it says, you will be liable to hellfire. So again, we, we look at, we unpack each. So what is it? You might be or you are liable. So again, we see both in their truest form. Yes, you are liable to hellfire. You are in danger of hellfire. Because without, without a changed heart, without a renewed spirit, you we are all. We are all headed that way. So again, we look at the the fullness of the passage and what Jesus Christ is trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think I talked about this recently. Um, that uh, notice that Jesus is currently using a word uh, that would be considered a, a foul word of those days, right? But he's using it in a teaching moment, right? And, and this is why it's important to understand. 
It's how we use words, right? Jesus didn't have to use Raka. He could have used other words, but he's emphasizing that to your brother, right? And you're saying to your brother, you fool, which I see it all the time and it makes me so sad. Christians who support me, like if you're listening to this and you're one of my followers, don't, if you support me, don't be in my comment section calling atheists stupid. Like, guys, we're not going to reach people by tearing them down like that. Like you could say, man, that's crazy that you think that. And that's wild. Y'all see me. I have no problem telling someone what they're saying makes no sense. But to personally attack someone, James chapter three, we bless the Lord with our tongue, but then we turn around and curse the very person made in his image. Like guys, yeah. you don't, you don't have to, you're stooping to their level. You're don't yeah. do that. Don't say you're so stupid. These atheists are so dumb. You're so pathetic. Don't do that because you're letting that atheist bring you to sin. That's letting you do things that you shouldn't be doing. They're winning. But when you respond with love, the Lord wins. I'm just being yeah. honest. Be loving and, and don't use your words to build up only. And, and if you're trying to edify, then edify. And sometimes you need to say something that's hard. But hard doesn't mean rude. Hard is, is, is tough for them to swallow. Rude stabs. Right? You don't want to stab them with your words. You want it to be tough to swallow. You're very right. You want them to be like, mm, hold on. That's deep. Okay, you're right. My bad. I probably shouldn't be thinking like that. You don't want them being like, yo, what in the world? Nah, man, but I ain't going back and forth. Stop. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And I, I often I can't stand it. And I often see this. I often see this on um, you know, I often see this on TikTok where it's either a Christian going against another Christian where they disagree on doctrine and and it starts becoming like personal insults, personal, you know, tail wagging. And, and whacking each other down. And I and I always I always think to myself, I wonder if these two actually pray for one another. If when they leave the live, they actually go sit on their knees and go, Lord, oh, um, oh. because because and this is this is this I'm ushering this warning because we're on it right now. Is is and I've said it so many times to those who have watched my lives, you do not have to attend every argument you are invited to attend. Um, and sometimes the the, the better thing. You know, no answer is an answer. One and two, the better thing to do is is go when someone says something to me, and I'm like, I completely disagree with that. You know, uh, the prayer I pray is, is Lord, open up my understanding or theirs. Um, if I'm wrong, please show me I'm wrong. Um, and if they're if they're wrong, please open up their eyes to show them they're wrong. And God always confirms. God always confirms His word. So again, if it's not confirmed in the scripture, if it's not emphasized in the scripture, then it's not from God. Then that's what we yeah. like to call eisegesis. You know, I'm going to put my own spin on what this verse means and I'm going to attack everybody with it. And, and this is the thing we've seen. We've come across so many brothers in Christ who, who do this on TikTok where they healed their knowledge as a weapon over the younger Christian. It's, yes. it's almost more like you stupid, you dumb, go read your Bible more. You're not rightly dividing properly. You're not doing this properly. You're not doing that properly. This is what we always see again and again and again. And I look at this and I'm like, but how are we saved? By what? By believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Everything after this is for our edification so that we can learn and grow. It's got nothing to do with salvation. Yet, Amen. this is how they make it. So just, yeah, be careful. I'm going to sum up what JD just said. Ready? Talk to people how you pray about them. If you Amen. ain't praying about them, don't talk about them. And if you're praying about them, I hope that the way you're praying about them is the way that you're talking about them. Because if you ain't willing to talk that way to God about that person, why are you talking about that person like that 
you know, when you're not praying. Simple as that. And if you ain't praying for him, what are you talking about him for? This ain't, we're not gossipers. We're not doing all that. Um, but yeah, amen, amen, amen. And then leave yeah. your gift there before the altar. No, sorry. So if, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Notice how it's something against you. You know that you've wronged your brother. You know that you're in the wrong. We look at this and I don't think we realize this. We have a problem with this one. It's hard for us in our society to be like, yo, I, I, I was wrong. I, I did that where I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said those things. I shouldn't have uh, treated you that way. He's saying, if you know that you, that remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And, and that's very important in these days. We're not, I know to us, the thought of offering our gift at the altar, we don't understand it because we don't do it. But that is a very important part of, of their Jewish culture. That is a very serious thing. So for God to say, huh, they don't know he's God. So let me say it this way. For this man, because that's what they see as some man, to say, before you offer that to God, go do this. Right? He's, he's telling them to put God second in this moment. Like That's what they probably think, not realizing that by doing that, you're putting God first because you're doing as God commanded you to do, which is to love. That's why Jesus tells us the greatest commandments, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor. And you can't love your neighbor if you're not properly loving God. And you can't properly love God unless you love your neighbor. That's why John says what? John says in 1 John, if anyone says that they love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. It doesn't say whoever says they love God and hates his brother uh, can't be judged and you can't be a fruit inspector to them or or they're, you know, something, something, something. No, no, no. They're a liar. Meaning they didn't lose their salvation. They didn't, none of this stuff. They're a liar. If someone says, I love God, but then hates their brother, they are a liar, period. That's what the word of God says. People don't like that. Take it up with the word of God. Don't take it up over here. And that is validly important. And we as Christians in today's society struggle heavily on that because we live in the age of it's just me and my Bible, me and my Jesus. Jesus has become our own self-help coping mechanism. How many people are like just me and my Jesus time outside and I ain't worried about them. And this is my faith. Yeah. Keep it between me and God and just like don't correct each other. Just no, don't yeah. don't help each other. <laughs> yeah. So many people have to have, have adopted a, a Deepak Chopra, uh, you know, version of Jesus, you know, where they, he, this was, he wasn't actually the only way. He just came and made a way for how people are to live. He's, he's the, you know, he's one of those many who had enlightenment eternally oh. and he was projecting <laughs> his internal enlightenment. And if we all search for that internal enlightenment, then we can walk in love. No. You can't walk in love without having the spirit of God dwell within you, period. You cannot. You 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 can do things that are good. And I had this question yesterday, just, just quickly digressing from the subject. But I went onto a live where it was one of those lives with like 12 panels. And it was all modalists, all modalists. And they were screaming at one another. They were screaming at one another, attacking one another. And I was like, you know, Christian TikTok needs prayer. God is triune. That was my comment. Boom. Muted. <laughs> I was instantly muted because I said TikTok needs prayer and God is triune. 
And, and these guys' fruits were so evident because what? They've got the wrong Jesus. Jesus Christ is not the Father. He is the eternally begotten Son of the Father. It's abundantly clear in Scripture. So Amen. we see these. And if someone's got a fake Jesus, guess what's going to happen? It's going to bleed out in their speech. They're going to start becoming verbally uh, If someone's abusive. got a fake Jesus, that means they've got a fake spirit too. And that yeah, means, yeah, exactly. the fruit of the spirit they've ain't got a spirit. Oh, yeah, they've got a spirit. It's just the wrong one, <laughs> you know. And, and this is all... Yeah, and this is ultimately what we see with with so much of Christian TikTok is it's 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 a it's a it's me I'm right I've been and I hear the same words you must go back and read your Bible more you just haven't studied enough you just this like like you have like you have so you you sitting on this pedestal of you know everything there is to know about God's word so like why don't we just rip your Bible up and and just walk around professing what you know is you you clearly a new Messiah of some sorts. And, and this is what we see with, with so many Christian lives. And, and all I commented was TikTok needs prayer. God is triune. I was muted for the entire live. And ultimately I left immediately after that, but it just, it just blows my mind how people use the word of God to like, like Thor's hammer instead of oh, yeah. what we are told what we are told to do in Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2, where we see our brothers and sisters overtaken in fault, we restore them in the spirit of meekness. That, that is, again, coming back to what we've just read, where everything that we do has to be done from a place of complete humility and love for the other person. And this is why even when we have discussions with atheists, we look at them, we say, we respect you because even though you don't agree with it, you know, you were made in the image of a triune God. Amen. You know, he's the potter, you the clay, and now the clay's got something to say. And and that's 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 Mike just posted that Bizzle video, and I was like, Yeah, man, I love that song because he yeah. lays it down as as if I throw lightning, who throws it back at me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's just this is ultimately what Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 13. Doesn't matter what you do, if you do not have love, if you do not have that charity in your heart to be doing what you're doing. You're always going to come back and go, I did this for you. I did that for you. And, and, yes. and I've seen it. People call you brother, 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 love you, brother, love you, brother. Until they find out you disagree on doctrine, he's a heretic. And, and it's like, this, is, this is what I wanted to add. Cause you were saying that since we have so many new people that are listening, I, I want to give you guys a little piece of advice. The word of God never tells you trust the guy that sounds good. Uh, trust the guy that knows the scriptures really well. I've never heard you show me, please let, let me see where it says in scripture that that's the qualification when it comes to pastors, elders, discipling, mentorship. You never see the knowledge of the word being what's important to look for. Why? John and Jesus make it clear, both in the gospel of John and in John's letter, that if you have the Holy Spirit, he will guide you in all truth. Now, why is fellowship important? Be because they help keep you in line with the Holy Spirit so you don't start listening to your own understanding. And, and this is why we have people that split in different directions and whatnot because it's pride. But James chapter 3, I feel like, summarizes the best way that you can identify what Jesus says when he says in Matthew 7, which we're going to get to, to know them by their fruit, right? So I just wanted to read this so you know what you're looking for because it goes hand in hand with what JD was saying. Like people can ask me, is oneness right? They got a lot of good points. Watch their fruits. Because as JD mentioned, I see, when I see oneness people, they always have some fruit issues. Now, I'm not saying all of them, 
some of them might just be ignorant and in their own world, but still loving guys. But the majority come off in that negative, uh, 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 angry, self-righteous, just so much. And, and James summarizes it saying, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Right there, he's saying, by a person's conduct and their meekness of their wisdom. They're not boasting about their wisdom. It's the meekness of their wisdom. And you can see it in their conduct and how they live. And then he says, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. So people that are worried about, look what I know. Look at me. I got this. I know this. I'm smarter than you. And it's all about me, 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 me. He says, this does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And then he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Like nothing there was about your knowledge, but that's what you're hearing when it says wisdom from God and its actions, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, all these things, that's the wisdom from God. So pay attention to that. Uh, that's why I always yeah. tell people, uh, you know, them by their fruits. And then, so some Christians might not like that, but it doesn't matter what Christians like or not. Knowing a teacher isn't the same as a, I don't have the right to judge my brother or sister in their walk. That is true. The scriptures tell me not to judge their walk with the Lord. It tells me to correct them when they're in error, but it says in Romans 14 to keep your faith between you and God. But yeah. a teacher is held to a higher level of accountability. Teachers don't get to, when JD and myself choose to do this and put ourselves in front of hundreds of people, we don't get to hide behind ignorance. We don't get to hide behind, no, you can't judge me. We chose to represent Christ and stand before others. James yeah. chapter three starts that way saying, hey, not everybody's called to be a teacher for we know we will be held to a higher level of accountability. So when someone's trying to be a teacher, and they're not being, a, they're not following in Christ's ways. And you say something, don't let them try and pull that. Like you go, you don't get to say that. Like, bro, you don't act like a Christian. <laughs> Y'all know I've said it before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, we, and we to... see this, we see this so, so, so abundantly clear from the apostle Paul. He, he, he's an expositor when it comes to preaching God's word. He, he lays it down with the utmost love, but also rebukes where it's necessary exhorts where it's necessary reprimands where it's necessary and every single time he's done it it's done it out of love amen That's what and then um, that passage continues i forgot it keeps going come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison truly i say to you you will never get out until you have paid the last penny and then he rolls in from there to the adultery. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And before we continue and I let JD uh, kind of point at this, notice that in these two passages so far, he said you have heard. But I say the you have heard is the command to follow. The But I say points to the heart condition, the heart position. Because what does Jesus say to the Pharisees? With You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You see, Jesus is also pointing out in these moments that it's one thing to, to follow the commandments for, like physically, 
right? But if your heart wants to sin against God, you still are sinning against God. So if I see a woman that looks good and in my heart, I'm like, man, I would love to, you know, I ain't going to do it because I can't cheat on my wife. That's a sin. I go to hell. But (laughs) if I could, I would. My heart wants to sin against God. My heart wants to rebel against God. And the only reason I'm not doing it is for selfish reasons, uh, self-preservation kind of reason, right? Like, I don't want to go to hell. And that's what Jesus points out to these Pharisees. Like, you're just doing your things to be perceived as righteous. I know your heart. And he's telling us, like, I, you have heard, don't commit adultery. But it's not just about following a command. It was always about your heart. Like, you should not want to commit adultery. You should not want to harm your brothers. This is what the law has been about. It's about love. Not just follow this command because I said so. And that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, and, and I just I just want to digress with a quick story. There's 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 a massive there's a massive wedding feast and they get they get they get a pastor in and they get this 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 famous motivational speaker in, right? And while while the whole wedding is there's there's five hundred people in the reception and the wedding is busy and they get this motivational speaker to stand up and they ask him to read Psalm twenty three. And he flies through the psalm. He reads Psalm 23. He quotes it backwards. He doesn't even have to open up a Bible. And he reads, you know, he, he quotes Psalm 23 off the back of his head. And, and at the end of the psalm, everybody stands up and cheers. Everybody stands up and cheers and they clap hands. And, and the next, the next they ask the, the pastor if he could please do the same psalm. And he then opens up his little Bible and he reads from the psalm. And when he looks up, there's no cheering, no clapping, but multitudes of the 500 people, at least half are sitting with their hands covering their face in tears. They go back to the motivational speaker and they say, why did you get such a big applause? And why did he get, you know, people into tears? And the motivational speaker answers with this. He says, I might know the psalm. But this man knows the knows the author. And, and, and that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to when we read scripture. Do you know the psalm or do you know the author? And, 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 and so many times I find myself looking at, at how people exegete the, the text and how they bring it across. And I think you might know the verse. You might be able to quote the verse. You might even know that verse off the back of your head. But do you know the author? And and that's what we always come back to. And 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 we just we just waiting for our brother to <laughs> get rid of his heartburn. Ooh, <laughs> he's, no he's, headache, he's, headache, he's, not heartburn. Oh, it headache. just hit me. And that's why I don't know if you saw me on camera. I was over here like, whoo, something hit my head right now. I had to go grab a Tylenol real quick. Um, I'm sure whatever you said was uh was beautiful, JD. So I applaud you on that. <laughs> go back and listen later, man. Yeah, go maybe. back and listen later. <laughs> and then uh, he says, "Oh, this part I think this is funny because I I've I've heard an atheist try to have you did you read any more of the verses or were you just giving your story? No, yeah. So verse twenty nine, I've actually heard an atheist try to use this against Christianity, like it's that's your religion tells you to pluck your eyeball out. So in verse twenty nine, he says, "If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members." then that your whole body be thrown into hell. Um, And then he says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than than that your whole body go into hell. 
right? So I, I don't know about you, JD, but I actually see this as the body of Christ. And he's kind of letting you know about separating yourself from others. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, how others can drag you into these issues, right? Others can drag you into serious issues that in the church to where you fall into sin and temptation because of the people that you're around. And I see this as that. Maybe Now, again, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know everything. I don't know how many times I got to say this because people still be thinking I know everything and I don't. Um, <laughs> but obviously, it can also be pointed to the fact of, you know, more of a metaphorical rate. But I believe that yeah. this is this is also an allusion towards the fact that the body of Christ, and, you know, I, I refer to it as in the Protestant Reformation, I believe is kind of like uh, remove the hand that's sinning from you, right? I know Catholics don't like when I say that, but I believe yeah. that that's a very similar kind of thing. Like y'all tripping, we got to divide the body at that point at, at sometimes. And Paul points out that in first Corinthians, when he said some division is necessary so that the counterfeit or, or that the, the true will be shown to shine brighter. Right. So, I mean, Paul even emphasizes that, that sometimes it's, it's possible that it's necessary to divide. Right. So if the hand is causing you to sin, cut it off, remove it. But yeah. This and again, also we, we Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we see we see that Jesus Christ throughout his ministry speaks speaks in a lot of metaphors. He uses a lot of hyperbole. And, and this would be this would be, you know, if we're looking at the truest, um, you know, which which most scholars agree with. It, it's not a question of physically cutting out your eye or physically cutting off your hand, but that which leads you to it. So if, if you and this is what I say, to, and I'll, I'll use the pornography thing because it's, it's, it's one I've dealt with most times with 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 brothers and sisters in Christ to battle with pornography. And I ask them, what steps have you taken to to not watch porn? And they're like, like, what do you mean? Like, have you gone and blocked the websites? Have you removed those things? And if you even type it in your search bar, it's blocked off your phone. Like, what have you, what, what steps have you taken to, even if temptation takes a hold of you, that you can't just click on something and go and see or view it? So the, the, this would be, this would be, you know, chopping off that hand in the yeah. sense that, make it difficult for yourself to just fall back into the same sin. So it's the same with, with someone who's got a problem with alcohol, but they've got cupboards lined with bottles of alcohol. Like what steps have you taken? Have you thrown the alcohol down the drain? Have you gotten rid of the distraction? And, and again, if we look at this in from the metaphorical point of view and we say, what steps have you taken to make sure you don't fall into the same patterns of sin? Like what have you cut off the hand? Have you gouged out the eye? And, and, that's the way, you know, I would interpret that piece. Well, no, I, I definitely agree with you there too as well. Yes. I, I was, I think I was just trying to go deeper for, and again, that's why I said, maybe my mind is just trying to go deeper for no reason because, you know, I see body and I think about Jesus's body being us and, and, you know, so, but no, I wasn't saying that's the only meaning of it. Obviously. Yes. I, I stand by the, uh, the, the old fashioned meaning of it as well. Old fashioned, the uh, orthodox meaning of it. I was just pointing to, you know, something that's interesting. But I'm probably wrong. I'm okay. I I can't bat at a thousand guys. I got to be wrong occasionally. Let's be wrong on some easy things. I'm just playing. Well, what what did we say last week? This is just my wife. I'm wrong a lot. What? Well, yeah, you can ask my wife the same thing. But what we said last week, this is just Mike and JD having a conversation, and the the rest of you are listening in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly what it is. That's what it is. So we're all learning, we're all growing, man. It was also said, okay, here's one that people really need to hear because I've had people get angry at me for for explaining this right here because they misread it. So verse 31, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, 
let him give her a certificate of divorce. That is something that Moses actually established. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, let me explain something to you. There's a couple things you need to understand here. First and foremost, he actually talks about this in another uh, book. I believe it's Luke, where he adds a little bit more to it, where he says that, you know, Moses did that because of the hardness of your hearts. But we need to understand what is actually being said here as far as what, why is it adultery, right? Because I don't think enough people understand this. So he says, except on the grounds of sexual immorality. So first and foremost, this is literally Jesus saying that that's allowed, right? This is just how grammar works. I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. So you could literally say, if it's on the grounds of sexual immorality, it is not adultery then, right? So that's that's how that works. So let's just get that off the bat because people will say there's never a reason to divorce. Nuh-uh. No, it's like, yeah, no, Jesus makes it pretty clear right there that sexual immorality is is, a, is allow, allowance for divorce. Doesn't mean you have to either, though. You can get through that. I'm not saying I could. I don't know if I could, but... <laughs> But no one's saying you have to, right? Hey, more power to you if y'all can push. Jesus did for us. Like, I, I do commend that and respect that. Jesus did because we were whores, right? Let's just be very honest, right? Um, But that's not the point of this conversation right here. But the reason why it says that it makes her commit adultery is because if I get a divorce certificate from the state and I divorce my wife, yes, the state sees us as divorced. But if our marriage was through God, he doesn't grant that divorce. So in his eyes, you're still married. So therefore, if she goes on and marries someone, you have now forced her to commit adultery. You have also forced the man who marries her to commit adultery. That's why it says, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It's not, it's not for whatever reason I've heard some people try to explain. It's because you're still technically married to the person that you try to divorce. That's what is being made very clear. Therefore, it's not adultery if you have a legal divorce the way that it says, except on grounds of sexual immorality, because you're not considered married in God's eyes if you divorce on those grounds. Now, granted, again, talk to your pastor. I'm not your pastor, whatever. If you have this question that comes up in your own life, I'm not saying Mike gives you permission to do whatever. But yeah. I think people need to understand that because I've heard people say like, oh, you can't get remarried if – um if you get a divorce for sexual morality, like Jesus lets you split up, but like you can't get remarried or else it's adultery. No, because that's not how that works. The reason why it's the, uh, adultery is because you're still technically married. But Jesus is making it clear here that except on these grounds, these ones right here, you're not you're not covered under that. If you're under those grounds, you're good. So I feel like maybe I need to emphasize that. Yeah, and I mean you can go to Romans seven as well if you if you want further clarification. I mean. Paul, Paul addresses it in the first few verses of Romans 7 as well. So so I know that people are going to ask that question, so I'll just answer it real quick, even though it's not part of this. Someone said, so what about abuse? So let me, make some, let me just make some things very clear. If someone, if a woman is getting abused by her husband or a husband by his wife, the very first thing that a Christian is going to say, a true Christian who follows the word of God, is get out of the house, right? There's nothing wrong with the separation. You can separate. And here's, here's the truth of it. Separation doesn't mean divorce either, right? Like you can get them separated and then someone needs to get in, in there and talk to him and figure out what's going on and, and make sure she's awesome. safe. Now, the scriptures do give one other permission for divorce and it's not abuse. It's if an unbeliever leaves and you need to pray on this. But my what I would say, if I was mentoring someone who's getting beaten, he's not a Christian. He's an unbeliever because any man who lays his hands on a woman 
is not a Christian. Like, you know how I said earlier, the Bible says anyone who says they love God but hates their brother is a liar. I feel confident saying anyone who says they love God but hates his wife is a liar. And if you beat your wife, you hate your wife. People think love is an emotion. It's not. Love is a choice. So you can never say, I loved her. I didn't mean to hit her. No, love is a choice. In that moment, you did not love her. Just like cheating. In that moment, you did not love her. I don't care what man says to you. Listen, women, if the man says to you when he cheated on you, be like, yo, but I, I really didn't mean I still loved you. In that moment, he didn't love you. That's not how love works. Love isn't contingent to like the fact that it just exists. You have to demonstrate love every single day. It's not an emotion. Yeah. So Amen. if a man is beating his wife, to me, that's not a believer. And it says if a yeah. believer leaves, then let your peace return unto you. So again, though, that's something you need to take up with. Uh, someone that you trust to uh, help you out with that. Nothing. Uh, the Bible does not say you have to stay married to him, though. The real issue would be on is the divorce through God's eyes and can you get remarried? And that's where the question would come up. But nobody would ever tell you you have to stay with that man. You need to get out of the house, get away from him, make sure people know, report it, do whatever it you need to be doing for your safety. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I think that's 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 if I'm if I'm going to be completely honest, that's that's still my weakness is. Women and children being abused, man. Even, even, even on lives, man. When I see, like, like yesterday, I came across. I had to scroll out there so quickly because, again, you know, I see this, 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 this dude towering over this woman, screaming at her, saying, "You're not even supposed to be up here teaching anyone because you're a woman." And I'm like, "Oh wow, look at you, look at you." So I'm like, "Let me just scroll because." Anything that I'm going to say right now is not going to edify anyone else. So, like, that's still like a massive trigger for me when when I see men. And this is to all the all my brothers out there. We we're the, we're we're stronger for the reason of protection. We're stronger so that that your wife feels safe. And and this is the same. I, I equate this to the fear of the Lord, knowing that God has the power to smite me, but He loves me. Knowing that God has the power to destroy me, but He wants me. He wants me in communion with him. He wants me in fellowship with him. Why? Because I'm an adopted son of God. I'm an heir with Christ. I, my righteousness and my identity is hidden in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So this is this is why we warn. This is why we preach, because we do not want anyone else to burn. And, and when I see people who claim to be brothers in Christ speak to women like that on, on live platforms for everyone to hear, I think to myself, you you clearly are not married, number one, you shouldn't be teaching. Um, and number two, you, you've, you've honestly got no idea why God created the woman. Um, and if you're uh, godly men love women, let's just put yes. it that way. Yes. Godly men yes. love women. It, it's it's mind blowing how some men talk about women. I was actually having this conversation earlier when I had. Uh, I'm not going to share the conversation, but I was having a conversation about it earlier with our brothers and sisters uh, from the Discord that I sat down with and had a meal with today. And uh, we kind of talked about some people that I've had experiences with that the way they talk about women behind closed doors. I've met Christians that in public won't do it, but behind closed doors will say vile things about their sisters in Christ. And I broke fellowship for that. Yes, I broke fellowship with that. Let me make something very clear. This has nothing to do with that, but God tells you you must love your neighbors. You don't got to like everybody. Let me be very clear. Loving doesn't mean I have to spend time with you. I have to fellowship with you, and I have to like you. None of those things are necessary to love you because, again, love is a choice. So I cannot like you, but I love you. What does that mean? That means that I'm still going to be there for you. I'm still going to help you when you need it. Like I'm still there if you call me, but I, I could choose not to fellowship with you 
And I've broken fellowship with people um, because I've seen men that do that in the behind the scenes. Like they'll, they'll be all nice and giddy in front of their sisters in Christ, but behind the scenes. And it's like, that's disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting. And that's the reason why Christianity has the image it has in, in America, at least on how we view women because of those men that have abused the scriptures. Uh, to me, it's no different than the men that use the scriptures for slavery. And I don't care about saying that the men who use scriptures to overpower women are the same as the men who use scriptures to abuse people by color. And if you're going to be a Christian and hate that and hate that racism and hate that disgusting abuse of scriptures, you better hate that when you see abuse of uh, uh, our sisters in Christ by trying to domineer them and, and be above them. But yeah, oh, that's an excellent question. That's an excellent question, Danielle. And again, remember, we 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 speaking of those who have knowledge of. If you got divorced at 17 and you were a Jehovah's Witness and you had no recollection of who God is or what God's law is, there is room for that. And, and this is ultimately when you come to repentance and you are now remarried um, yeah. and you found a, a, a husband in Christ. It's a completely different scenario. Again, you know, we've we've addressed this so many times, but remember, God is not petty. God is not petty. Yeah. He's not taking, he's not sitting there with like, you know, a black marker going, whoops, you failed. Uh, there is, we see it in Isaiah 4, 6, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So many people, so many people are ignorant. And, and this is even Paul says, he, he, he says it so abundantly. I was ignorant of this truth. I was, Amen. and this is why God's grace, which was with me, who pulled me from my mother's womb at the time appointed me to do these things. I was ignorant before, but now I'm not. It comes right back to the song, Amazing Grace. You know, Amazing. you know, I once was blind, but now I see. That's Let it. me go ahead and uh, quickly add something. Let's not forget where we're at again. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying down what is known as one of the greatest ethical teachings ever. Beyond just Christianity, there are non-Christians who still will refer to this as the greatest ethical teaching ever. And again, it's pointing to who he is. Uh, like, Remember how we've said before that the Old Testament law is an is a mirror of who God is? Well, if this is Jesus showing how much deeper the law really can be, then he's also showing you who he really is. He's giving you the messianic image. This is who I am. I am all these things. I am perfect. I am I am righteous, right? So again, yes, we should want to live like this. But to the question that Danielle asked, I want you guys to hear this, that that conviction is beautiful, but you are forgiven and a new creature in Christ. If I get people that ask me that question too, JD, like, oh, well, I was, I did divorce for the wrong reason. And I remarried. Am I in adultery right now? Should I, like, what do I do? Let me ask you guys this. If you get to know God's character, is God, the, does the God that you read in scripture, does your Lord Jesus seem like the kind of God that when you become a born again, new creation, who's married with children would want you to divorce that family and send that family down a path of singleness because you realized you shouldn't have been married in the first place because you divorced improperly the first time. I don't know that to be Jesus because our Jesus no. is like, you better take care of these children. <laughs> That's what I see in scripture, widows yeah. and children. If you look throughout the scriptures, you know how many times you see protect women, protect children. So why would a man be called to like, yeah, you should never have been married. So uh, you might as well just go ahead and divorce that marriage. I know you've been married 10 years, but no. Right. So you are born again, a new creation there. The old you is gone, dead and gone. And even if you were a Christian and you were just and you didn't realize it and, you know, you were a false Christian. Like, you know, what I mean, like you were Christian by name and, and got married. Now you're getting right in your faith. Yesterday is over. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Being in a marriage you shouldn't, you had no business getting in isn't the same as being an addict and staying addicted as you come to Christ. 
If that makes sense. Like, yeah, I get it. If your first divorce was not the way it should have been, like, I just can't. And I don't want to speak like I have authority here, but I just don't believe that the God that I see in the Bible would tell you to abandon your current family because you now have come to realize that you shouldn't have done the divorce in the first place. Rather, seek forgiveness, ask your father in heaven to forgive you, and ask him to make your current marriage so incredible that you build a kingdom like and 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 build that family because the bible also says whoever does not take care of his family is worse than a non-believer right so a lot a lot lot goes into that and and yeah um yeah let's keep going though because we do have to keep moving this one is one that actually this one has recently kind of like like i used to say it i used to say stuff like i swear to you i used to say i swear to god a lot before you know i obviously came to the lord now i won't swear to god but I still would occasionally, like, no, I swear, no, I swear. But then one day I was reading this and I realized what Jesus says when he says, like, let your yeses be yes and your noes be noes. I don't know if this is actually where he says that. Yes, it is. So and I, I try to tell myself now, like, I shouldn't have to do that anymore. Right. Like, so I, I try not to even swear. But uh, Jesus says, and again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you. Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So. Amen. I think that's pretty uh, self-explanatory, right? Yeah, straightforward, man. Then he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So this one I want to stop on because again, reminder, this is perfection. I know that this is this is going to be one we should all be struggling with. We live in the society of eye for an eye. Y'all know that, right? Y'all ever notice like if someone does you wrong, we live in a society where like, yo, nah, I owe him that. Nah, bro. Yeah. When I see him next time, it's on. Nah, remember that one time you did me dirty? Nah, remember that one time you didn't help me? Remember that one time? It might not be literally eye for an eye and hand for a hand, but we still have that mindset. We have that get vengeance mindset. And this is a common theme throughout scripture. What is Paul? What chapter is it in Romans, JD? So we can tell people to go there. Is it Romans where it says, uh, love your enemy, give give your shirt, give your clothes, give food, give drink. Uh, uh, give Romans 12 through 14. Romans 12 through 14. Yes. That's, 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 that's all, all of them together. You've got to read Romans 12, 13, and 14 together because we see everything about brotherly love and how to extend an arm even when it's not extended. Um, and that's ultimately the good reminder. And now, and I think it's important to note, though, it, this isn't metaphorical either. <laughs> when he says, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him uh, the other also. People be like, well, no, that's just metaphorical because back then to slap someone in the cheek is to, you know, challenge their honor. Well, Jesus got slapped in the cheek for real and he didn't swing back. 
Jesus got slapped in the cheek actually more than once. He got slapped in the cheek during his uh, uh, standing before the high priest and, 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 and in that little testimony moment. And then also when he got whipped and beat and everything. And yet he did not retaliate. And I believe that this isn't just saying uh, metaphorically if someone dishonors you. No, no, I believe that it's saying that if you are attacked, your job isn't to just go ahead and tear them up. Now, let me clarify, though. Notice it's saying, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I don't believe this counts for you letting someone get hurt, though. Like, if I see a woman getting attacked, I'm going to step in and defend her. As men, we, again, I just mentioned it a minute ago, the scriptures make it clear that men were made to be protectors and providers to protect women and children, even if they're not our own women and children. We're, we're called to protect orphans and widows, right? So as a man of God, if someone was to like, so here, I'll give you a better example. If I'm out street preaching and somebody attacks me over the name of Jesus, I'm going to let it happen. I will not swing back. I will not because I'm being persecuted for Jesus's name. And therefore I will not, I will turn the other cheek. However, if I'm out and my wife and children are with me and someone goes to attack me and my wife and children are in danger, I will defend my family, right? I don't believe that this is speaking about defending others, but you yourself give yourself up. And not be and not worry about yourself, right? So I believe that there's a difference between getting attacked for the name of Jesus and getting attacked for from for evilness sake, or in a situation where you're protecting your household, your family, uh, someone weaker than you, right? So, but we can honestly have a whole entire philosophical, ethical discussion about that for hours. As I mentioned, the Sermon on the Mount is one of the deepest and most profound ethical teachings that exist. We could literally go through these and talk about different dilemmas and moments in life, just like I'm doing right now. Um, so JD, really quickly, all I was saying is that I believe that this is speaking about if someone attacks me by myself on the grounds of a faith reason, right? Like I'm getting attacked for being a Christian. I'm getting attacked for being loving. Not if I'm with my wife and children getting robbed, right? I'm going to protect my wife and children. Yeah. If someone tries to come yeah. to my house, I'm going to protect my wife and children. If I'm street preaching 100%. and you try to attack me, well, then I'm going to, I'm going to, the most I'll do is maybe catch your arms. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to hit you back because the minute you do, like, let's be honest. If me and Justin are out preaching, he's 6'5", and I'm a former Marine. What's the news going to say, even if this dude swings first, if we beat him down? Christian street yeah. preachers, a beat down man, da -da 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 -da. we just tarnished Christianity. We tarnish our father's name because we are set to glorify his name, right? That's why it's very important that we understand what's the representation in that moment. Yeah, exactly. Amen. I mean, we've got a question here. Oh, Queen go Natalie, when is the time? When is the time to stop letting some the same people hurt you in that way? We we see this in Romans sixteen seventeen, um, to mark and avoid those uh, which which you know cause division, which you know you have to walk away even even if we're going as we go through this we are told not to preach where we are not welcome to preach and again this is this is not speaking against street preaching we're never going to be we're never going to be welcome preaching on the streets we preach on the streets those who reject the message we don't run after them and say but you've got to yeah. listen to this gospel we just preach. preach yeah and and those that come those that come and listen and and want the word of god and want to know more they will come those who reject will reject um, so again, if there's if there's again, we come right back to the being equally yoked. If there's a person in your life who is not in the yoke of Christ, if they are not following Jesus, 
you should walk away. I've had to walk away from my own family who who are filled with hate, filled with pride, not because I hate them. Uh, I love them. I pray for them. But ultimately, I know what their influence on my life, on my children's life would be. So it's not because I don't love them. It's because it's not healthy. It's not what God wants for me. So yeah. again, real immediate. quick, this is not talking about, so this is more of a person on the street, right? If you're in a situation where a person keeps taking advantage of you, whether they're hurting you physically or mentally, nowhere in scripture does it tell you to sit there and take abuse from that, right? It tells like if you're in a working position or you're a servant, those people have a reason to be there, right? So even when it tells the servants to obey masters and, and to repay hate with love, they have to be there. They're servants. Nowhere in scripture does it say to stay in like a relationship or a situation a a where someone keeps taking advantage of you. We're called to forgive, but forgiveness doesn't mean I have to forget, right? I could be cautious now. So like if JD used me several times for money and sorry, JD, I'm just throwing in. JD does not use me for money, but if let's say he did <laughs> and I started to catch wind to it. Right. And then he comes to me and says, you know what, Mike? I, I lied to you and I shouldn't have, and, and I'm sorry, right? I, I had an issue and I was I didn't know where to turn. Next time he asks me for something, I can be cautious and be like, brother, can I ask you why? Right. So I can treat things differently. I don't, but I don't have to go and be naive. Not, you don't have to be naive as a Christian. In fact, Jesus tells us to do what? He says, be as gentle as doves, but as cunning as serpents. Yeah. Let me Amen. say that one more time. If you don't remember this, the enemy is known as a serpent. But Jesus tells you, be as soft as a dove, be as gentle as a dove, but you be cunning like that. In fact, in Luke chapter 16, he also tells us to be as uh, um, wise with money or maybe wise as the worldly people, right? So there are moments where God tells Christians like, hey, don't be too naive. Don't be too dumb here. Like, pay attention yeah. now. Be, be, be on your guard. Um, and, and don't, yeah, we're called to be, Ooh, how do I want? I want to word this really important, especially. Well, I want to make sure you guys understand this properly. We're called to be humble and and gentle, not weak and timid. Does that make sense? Like yeah. Christian Christianity is not about weakness and timidness. It's about knowing who's behind us that has all the strength in the world. So therefore, we don't have to be tough. Because he said, "Vengeance is mine. I got you." Like so, it's not Amen. that I'm weak or I'm timid. I just know who my dad is. Right. Like imagine your yeah. dad is the biggest dude on the block. You ain't got to act tough. Dad's got yeah. me. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is, this is what it comes down to weakness and meekness. You know, meekness is humility. Weakness is, is I'm a door rag. So the difference is my brother, Justin comes up to me and says, yo, uh, this is the issue. We've just gone through it with Hannah. Uh, I, I, I have been laid off because of the, the extensive travel brothers and sisters. Can you assist? This is this is it. This is where we all hop on board and say, how can we help? Where can we lend a hand? How can we, you know, provide the finances you need? And everybody bands together. Whereas if, if Justin said, yo, uh, I'm going back to meth. I'm, I'm, I'm down for some, you know, I'm going to go get a couple of rocks tonight. Uh, can you, you know, I'm just doing a quick fundraiser for some that. meth. Yeah, no problem, bro. Here we go. So again, it's it, it's about discerning the difference about what, you know, where will we help? Are we helping this person to further them, to keep them within the kingdom, to keep them within the fellowship? Or are we helping this person into the grave? Some people need to hear no. 
like no i can't help you anymore um and it's it's for their benefit it's not for it's not it's not out of spite it's it's to restore them to the faith and again this is why we see in Galatians, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, you know, if we see someone overtaken in fault, we restore them in the spirit of meekness, lest we also be tempted. And this is why Paul says this. A lot of people take that out of context. He says this because if we yield this, this if we come with this condemnation, ah, saw you, you sinned again, bah, 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 you're going to burn in hell. Da, da, da. Three weeks later, I fall into the same fault. Now I'm looking for someone to restore me. Now, now I can't. So now what happens? I allow pride to come in. I, I allow myself to be self-deceived. And this is what we see with a lot of people. They are self-deceived. They fall into sin daily, yet they sit on this pedestal of, I think I heard Todd White once say he hadn't sinned in 10 years. I was like, what? What? <laughs> 10 years? Right. I make it 10 minutes? <laughs> like Jesus didn't did Jesus only made you know 10 years like this oak is this oak is closer to Christ than most people like and and ultimately it's it's about understanding where we have shortcomings and we went through one John just the other day you know the confession to one another is so that we can heal is so that we can grow it's not for the forgiveness from God Jesus Christ is the propitiation he paid for sin, past, present, and future. Our confession to one another is for healing and for growing and for edification and for exhortation. This is, this is what it's about. And you can see brothers and sisters who have the fellowship and those who don't. Like every single dude on this, on this app who is a blatant, flaming heretic is a lone wolf. No church, no fellowship, just me and my Bible making videos. And that's that's dangerous. I, I love all of this right here because this this should be punching all of us in the heart here in this country, right? So we've only been touched on the first two for the eye for the eye. Ready? If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. You know, uh, it blows my. I, I say this sometimes when it comes to like theft, right? Um, some people be like, you you don't care about leaving that out, or or what if someone breaks into your car? I'm like, yo, look, if someone actually needs it that bad. All right. Like if someone needs it that bad, let them take it. If it's that, if it's that important to them. And I, and I say that with a lot of things, like at the end of the day, the Lord is telling you that to not be connected to these earthly things, they can't take anything from you that is of value to you because your value is in Christ. Right. And then he says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. notice. He says, if they're forcing you, well, then you go beyond what they're forcing you. To show that no, 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 you're not forcing me. My humility, like I'm, I'll go beyond it. Oh, you want? You're gonna make me go a mile? Well, I'll go too. Then give to the one that begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And this is important because again, it shows the love of Christ and a light from within you that when people come to you with evil intentions, the light diffuses the evil. The light gets like again, uh, John chapter one. I think it says, um. That when it says that Jesus is the light of the world, and it says, and the darkness does not consume it, or the darkness cannot overwhelm it, or I forget the exact word. And I mentioned earlier, the darkest cave in the world, if you light a match, that light will shine for generations in there. Like, it's just bright. You can see a light from a distance in a completely dark area, right? Likewise, if you're surrounded by evil, because people are doing evil to you, when you let that light shine, it shines. And what you don't realize is this. A lot of Christians get selfish and they think it's all about me. And they're like, well, that person's not going to change their ways. There's someone watching. 
You never know who's watching. I'm going to tell y'all right now, a lot of y'all evangelize every day and don't realize it because there's always somebody watching. This is why I answer when people say, Mike, how do you keep answering the same questions on TikTok? I'm not answering this person. I'm doing it because there's somebody watching and somebody's watching how you respond. Somebody's watching how you react. Somebody's watching how you love. And you don't know how many people on this planet have been saved by the gospel, but you played a part in it and you didn't even know. Just, I'm just being honest. Likewise, these things that you, that you try to implement in your life, you have no idea who's watching it. And they're like, wow, I need to know more about that. What is that? Oh, I know him. He's Christian. Man, look at that. That's, that's, that's what Christians should be. Because I, I tell you right now, I know a bunch of hypocrites, but look at this guy. Right? You never know what someone is seeing when you're at work. When Colossians says, do all things from the heart as if it was to the Lord. That means even when you're mistreated. You, you, you do it as if it's unto the Lord, not the person mistreating you, and you will shine a light in this world. And there's somebody watching that, that you might never know about. You might never know about it, and it doesn't matter because you don't need to know about it. But if you did know how many people noticed your actions, how many people you've, in, uh, you've affected by your actions, you would probably be blown away. I have the luxury, and I don't even know if I want this, but if people letting me know, like, hey, by the way, I, I've been watching you for X months, and this, this, and that has happened. But I never knew that person was watching. But for eight months, this person has been listening to me. Likewise, you have people that listen to you. You have people that watch you. Maybe not online, maybe not in person, but wherever it may be. But there are people that watch you, that listen to you, that learn from you, and that are affected by you. So if you're not being Christian, at all times that you can, as best as you can, you're not perfect, you'll fall short, but your attempt to pursue him, then you're giving off a you're you're giving off the the the, the wrong thing as a Christian. So that's why yeah. it's so important. Remember, it started with this of him, Jesus saying that this is what glorifies my father. In John 15, he says the same thing. Uh, it glorifies my father to bear fruit and show that and prove to be my disciple. Prove that you belong to me because that glorifies my father. Um, Amen. Absolutely. You have, he you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. For you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So this is the end of the chapter, which is perfect timing. I wanted to yeah. just emphasize something here. This goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. People are watching you. And if you only treat your, if I only treat JD a certain way, but not others another way, then I'm being partial. James talks about this. Paul talks about this. And I love that it Peter. says, our, yeah, Peter, our heavenly father makes it, makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. So if our heavenly father overlooks these people's sins and gives them grace to come to him and gives them all these blessings. Cause I don't know if you guys know this, but all good things are from God. So every sinner that wakes up and is still breathing oxygen, uh, drinking water and has food is still receiving massive blessings from God that they don't deserve. So if even they, if God shows them enough grace to give them those things, then you should treat them a certain way. Even if they're 
the worst yeah. sinners in the world. Love your enemies because the day of judgment will be for them. And the vengeance is the Lord's. And when it says you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I hear Christians quote this. And I just want to say this. Just because you can't meet the standard doesn't mean Jesus is going to lower it. As any of my parents out there, how many of you make standards that your kids can't hit probably or most likely won't hit? I do. Why? Because I want them to aim for greatness. But if my son can't reach this standard, I'm not going to lower the standard. Likewise, people are like, well, if we're saved by faith and not of our works, why would Jesus say be perfect like my father in heaven is perfect? Like, Paul, do you think you could ever do that? Yeah. Like, what do you it's not possible. No, but he's not. And what do you want Jesus to say in the opposite? Do you want Jesus to say, so just do whatever? <laughs> What's the opposite here? What's the alternative that you would like Jesus to say here to better emphasize it? No, this started with him saying that unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, you can't get to heaven. Likewise, you need to be perfect. You need to be yeah. perfect. That's true. And the only one that's perfect is? That was your Cross. cue, J.D., Amen. Amen. Christ Jesus. I mean, and just to just to add on to that, we see Paul tell us in Galatians chapter five, he goes on by saying to us, now the works of the flesh are manifest. And then he lists, he goes through the list of what the works of the flesh are. And then he goes on, because I had this question yesterday and I'm still going to make a video to respond to it. But then he goes through the fruits of the spirit in Galatians chapter 22 and 23. And he tells us these fruits, these 10 fruits. And then he says, against such there is no law. And then he goes on to say, now we have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, we crucify the flesh and its lusts along with that. So those fruits, faithfulness, goodness, love, long-suffering, peace, kindness, patience, we chase after that. That's what we pursue. These fruits will be evident if you are chasing after that. You can't sow a carrot seed and hope for apples. This is ultimately what we see a lot of people do is the seed they put out there, they, the way they treat other people, the way they, they handle objections, the way they handle questions always is evident in their fruits because that's not what they're pursuing in their personal lives. Again, Gossip. We see this from Proverbs 6. The Lord hates it. He hates gossip. So when we see lives where Christians are discussing other Christians, you are to rebuke them publicly for what they are doing. I had to do this the other day again, finding people discussing a, a, an individual's not on the actual live and say to them, what are you doing here? What are you what are you doing here? Are you, are, is he present to defend himself? Because you're saying this is what he believes, this is who he is, this is what he is. But I know that person on another level. I know them personally. I've had conversations with that person and they don't know. They they are not that. They, they don't act like that. And that's not what they believe. So you've taken a three-minute video and made your analogies. You've drawn your conclusions. You've completed your critique. But remember this, you only know what you think you know. That's the bottom line. You only know what you think you know. The only time we, we will get to understand a person in the fullness is if we sit down and say, I respect you as my brother, you respect me as your brother, and we can have a conversation. And this is why Mike and I can, can disagree on es eschatology. We can disagree on, on various things in the Bible. Do I love him any less? Am I going to break fellowship? No, because what we do have 
is love for one another the way Christ loves. That's that's what it comes down to. If that's missing from the equation, you're never going to sit at the table and have a cup of coffee because if there is no love for one another, if there is no love for one another, then everything else we do is is irrelevant. And and again, this is why those who know Jesus Christ will agree on soteriology. Mark and I, when it comes to soteriology, we are 100% on the same page. We are 100% on the same page when it comes to the doctrines of salvation. Water doesn't save you. Water doesn't save you. We agree on that. You're eternally secure. We agree on that. How are we eternally secure? By the, the God incarnate, Jesus Christ, coming in the flesh, paying the price of sin, the full price of sin, taking on the full wrath of God, fully satisfying God's anger, and then raised to life for our justification so that we are eternally secure in him. For every single one who believes, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. And we stand on that wall. We will die on that wall. Yes, ultimately, a lot of people will take us out of context and say, oh, they low-key works. Oh, they're backloading this. Oh, they this. We are not right about everything. We don't claim to be. We are we are finite human beings who love Jesus Christ and love people. And, and that's what it comes down to. We love every single person. I see this. This was an awesome live. We I told Mike, this is probably going to be like a four episode. Yeah, I wish <laughs> we could through. go into Matthews. I can't wait for Matthew 6.1. I'm looking at it on my screen, but I'm like, no, we're out of time. Yeah. We only have I mean, like 15 Wednesday. minutes left. Um, Wednesday, yeah, baby. So, guys, so thanks to everybody that come. Remember to like and subscribe. Go check out the links in the bio. True Christian Ministries merch, Tombs Empty Bro merch, all in the bio. Um, and thank you to everybody who has shared this live with your friends. Again, go check it. Go check it out on Spotify. If you if you weren't able and you you're driving and you want to listen in, then listen in. There are many many ways. Thank you to everybody that has that has come and participated in the chat and to all of those that can hear me on mike's TikTok, god bless you grace and peace to all of you um it's been awesome it's been awesome god's been good so real quick i see this question up here that i wanted to address how do you know the difference between gossip and having a conversation about people you know or is it still the same thing so let's just address something that can happen when we're having a conversation with other people if it's objective fact that's not gossip, right? Uh, hey, did you guys hear that? You know, if I'm talking to J uh, JD and I'm telling him like, hey, by the way, did you know Charles went and did this? Or, hey, you know, Justin went and did this. They, they went and experienced this cool thing that I can't wait to talk to him about it, right? We're just expressing that. Gossip has a purpose. And I think we all know, like, I wish I could properly, like, explain it because I don't think I could, though. But we know what gossip is by its purpose, right? Is that, like, we're trying to share something. It's it's kind of – it's usually kind of secretive, too. Like, well, let me tell you about so-and-so. It's behind their back. It's off, oftentimes it's hearsay or uh, uh, not objective. It's biased. It's subjective. It's, it's, it's presenting somebody when they can't defend themselves. Like, there's an objective fact period where I could just be like, hey, guys – uh, Justin, I really disagree with what Justin said the other day, this, this, and that. Or I can come up here and be like, you know, Justin said this, but let's be very honest. Every time I see Justin with his tall, cornbread-fed self looking like he should be wearing overalls, like, let's be very honest. He looks like – he might say he loves his wife, but he don't act like – you see what I, If I start going – and people yeah. do this on TikTok. They start with, I'm warning people about this false teacher. And that would be fine. If you stop that, like, I'll use – I'll pretend JD's a false teacher. 
if I went on a live and I said, hey, uh, I heard JD say some crazy stuff the other day. He said Christ's blood doesn't save anybody. He said that Christ didn't die for anybody. Guys, be very careful with JD. I, I love him to death, but that's a very cautious statement. You guys be the judge. Listen to him, but just know he said this and maybe ask him about it. Boom. That's a warning. I warned you. I told you what I heard him say myself. And then I told you, make sure you ask him about it. And be careful. That's a warning. Now, if I sit there and keep talking about it and like, honestly, that's a little suspect. And now that I think about it and da, 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 and every time he's talking, he don't let nobody do this. And this is da, 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 and I keep going down this route and the purpose. What is the purpose of it? Is it to warn or am I tearing him down? I would actually say it this way. Gossip tears down. A warning is just a fact. Yeah. And I mean, and, 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 and just, in, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. And, and just to just to elaborate on what he's saying is 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 where gossip comes in is, is you hear you hear them spread or bear false witness about you. And then rather than taking it to God, you take that false witness and then you start bearing false witness about them. And, and this is how the circle of gossip is, is an endless pit of disaster because I've heard things say about me on the, on, on, on TikTok that are so false. Um, Mark's heard things, we've heard things about each other and vice versa. Um, but we, if you seek to justify yourself all the time, you, you're never going to win. You're never going to win with these people. Uh, you know, and it, it's, it's like this, if they've already made up their mind that they don't like you personally, that comes out in their fruits. It comes yeah. out in their fruits because everything they're saying, it's no longer about you being a false teacher. It's about your, it's about the chain you got around your neck and the way you wear your hair. It's got, it's got to do about your, your accent, your smile, your clothing. You know, it, it starts going off the topic of preaching something that is not biblical. And it starts becoming a personal attack on what you look like, how you act, what you say, when you say it, who you say it to. And ultimately, we, we steer clear of such things because that's not what the word teaches us. And here's, here's the final thing I'm going to say on that is sometimes these things happen and that's a perfect opportunity for you to take it to God. That's a perfect opportunity. I, this is a reminder to pray. And if someone has offended you and, 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 and bore false witness against you, this is a perfect perfect opportunity to fall on your knees, pray for them. As we see in Matthew 5, 44, we bless those who curse us. We pray for those who mis misuse us. And, and, and we, we just, we leave it with God, take it to the foot of the cross and leave it there because ultimately nothing can be won in the flesh. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Nothing can be won in the flesh. Amen. Amen. It is 1054. That means JD's got to get his kids ready for the day and handle his handle. Remember, guys, JD's out there in, in winter right now, which makes no sense. 103 degrees in Texas. In Africa, it's like 50 degrees. Things are wrong. The world is messed up. I don't know what's happening. Or maybe I'm just an idiot who doesn't understand the seasons in Africa. But I like to digress and, and really be pompous about myself. So I believe that something's wrong. Uh, for all the new people, before you submit requests in comment sections, if you go to the past live streams and look, we may have addressed something you've asked about. I wanted to throw it out there because I have had people that have said like, hey, can you talk about, I don't know, orthodoxy? We got a whole podcast on it. So uh, highly suggest you do that before you go asking. But by all means, um, if you comment on videos uh, saying things that you would like for us to talk about, let us know. Also for the new people, 
we have something coming up where JD and myself will be getting together and reading the entire Bible and uploading the videos into a playlist. Um, we've been kind of codenaming it uh, Bible in a Year until we actually have a real name for it because Bible in a Year is pretty gimmicky. Uh, I'm just saying that that's what the goal is. It won't be live streams. It'll be just me and JD studying together. And whenever you have a moment where you're like, I want to read 1 Corinthians, the goal is once it's finished, Every time you're studying scripture, if you come across something where you're like, I wish I could do this with somebody because some of these spots really just are iffy with me, yeah. you can literally come to the playlist and be like, there's that book, there's that chapter, and then boom, watch it, right? Um, you have a podcast. This, this is the podcast. We live stream and then we upload it on YouTube and uh, Spotify. iTunes is coming soon, dealing with some issues over there. Um but make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe button, hit that like button. That helps us. Like, you want to know how you can help us, pray for us, hit the like, hit all that, and just support us in that way. Uh, but if you do like the shirt he's wearing with that little cross logo, that's the Tombs Empty Bro logo. Link is in the bio. Link as well. If you like this shirt, by all means, we do have merchandise. Yes, uh, there will be a TikTok after show for a little bit. As you guys know, I like to go over there after the show and talk to the TikTok people. Uh, Spotify link is also in the link below. Uh, if you go to my beacons, which is also on my TikTok page um, and any platform you find me on, that's my link. Um, and it's the Spotify link is uh, TCM podcast. Uh, so, guys, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with the, uh, yeah, hanging out with us. And uh, yeah, I really don't have anything. What you got for him, JD? Uh, also, the Discord. Uh, remember to check out the Discord links. Also in the in in Mark's bio, as well as uh, on his beacons. So get on the Discord. Kenny's Hebrew study will be carrying on with Hebrews chapter seven, I think. Um, Hebrews chapter 7 in the new uh, Saturday, Saturday, 7 p.m. Central Time, um, which has also been fantastic. It's been phenomenal. Um, God has been good. God has been good. Lots of people have been blessed. And again, yeah, I thank you all for coming, for liking and subscribing. I see there's 88 people um, on the live stream right now. So God bless you all. Um, and thanks for thanks for all your support, all your love and just being here, just being here with us and, and learning with us. Now, that Grace means peace. Wednesday, Matthew chapter six and seven is the goal. JD doesn't believe it. I'm going to, we're going to push for it. We're going <laughs> to get in there. Um, it's not like that's not a bunch of deepness that's going to be happening over there <laughs> in Matthew chapter six and seven. Uh, but month, uh, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central. Again, if you missed this, you can go back and watch it. If you came late, uh, you can go back and watch it. Go to the past live streams, uh, Spotify. Those are the two ways to watch it. For those asking about the YouTube, I mean, the TikTok live stream that I promised I would upload from Sunday, I will upload that tonight after I get done on TikTok uh, and I'm relaxing. And uh, yeah. Until Wednesday, unless you're unless you're coming over to TikTok right now, that is. But until Wednesday, guys, God bless you. And as always, go in peace. Okay.